Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com It's March the 6th, 2008 and I thought I'd just put a blurb out to mention more things that you can really do on the air because when you're on the air you have callers who can get off topic and so on with different questions and whatever's interesting the individual at the time comes out and you can't stay on a particular topic so tonight I think I would like to talk about this big massive juggernaut it's called culture creation we tend to see the effects of alterations within culture as they're happening, as we're living through the initial effects, the visible effects. Yet we don't realize that no part of a change in culture happens spontaneously. It can take 40, 50, 100 years to implement the initial changes of perception within cultures so that it will manifest down the road. It's no secret that's been a war on the world for a long time. Very old war, in fact. You can trace it back thousands of years if you go back into the various sects and fraternities that existed and proliferated from Egypt and no doubt from Babylon itself and in Greece. Because the philosophers who trained primarily in Egypt, the ones that we know of. I know that there were ones before who trained in Sumeria, in fact, before that, but no records left that we have access to. But the Egyptian ones, at least the ones who went to Egypt, did leave records, and they became the great philosophers, and they were aristocracy of Greece. They were the creme de la creme who were sent off for these educations, and they came back generally starting up their own schools and they would then start to implement very slowly in their own time too differences in thinking of viewing things, perception changes by either adding knowledge and adding knowledge sounds very good until you think, wait a minute, to add knowledge you must have all knowledge on a particular subject given the trick is to give selected knowledge and then your audience will come to pre-ordained conclusions. It's still the same today. The perennial philosophy or religion, as it's sometimes called, is a form of nature worship. It's tied in, it's a central core of Hinduism. It's a central core of reincarnation and all of the the various things that spawn from the idea of we're all one, the universal consciousness, as has been taught again openly since the 60s, and has been taught in selected classes prior to the 1960s through various agencies which were masonically associated, such as theosophy. And yet, if you go back to the Neoplatonists, in Alexandria you'll find they took the ideas from Plato the idea of the Hegelian argument because it pre-existed Hegel where you would have conversations imaginary conversations with imaginary friends or students and put it in a book form with a question answer type scenario and you would lead someone through a form of logic the idea being to guide your audience as they read it or as read to them you would guide them to a particular form of reasoning which again you had preordained and this was a very very old technique which is used even today very successfully but the ancient Greeks talked profusely about matter and I used to wonder why on earth would even a leisure class living high off the hog of the public 
And that's how you get leisure classes. In fact, school, the Greek word it comes from, really means leisure. You had to have leisure to go to school. And schools back in Greece were not compulsory in ancient times. But those with nothing, nothing much to do and plenty of money, uh, sons and daughters of uh, the aristocracy, at least the daughters eventually with Pythagoras, uh, were allowed to participate and listen. They talked about matter. Now, why on earth would these characters, who didn't have anything beyond the sailing ship and the horse and cart or the donkey, why would they be talking about matter and what matter was made up of? Because they knew back then that apart from perceptions itself and even how your senses perceive things and how your brain analyzes them, they knew if you've got a table from the end, it seems narrower the further away it goes. But in reality, we know it does not narrow. It's your perceptions. So they understood how to distort perceptions as well when you use the analogy and put it into certain forms of speech. You could also shape the forms of, of, of conclusions that people would come to if you understand how logic works in people. But they also talked about this matter, and they had the, the atomist, the atomist associations that literally talked about the atom. Long before we were told there were atomic microscopes or anything else, they were talking about the atom. And they knew that the hardest object was comprised of something spinning around something, and that technically it wasn't really so solid in a different sphere or dimension, if you like. And this, this was talked about, and they had schools on it back in those days. They were not going ahead to give us aircraft or inventions, you think, that would be of necessity for them. No, they were talking about stuff to do with atoms and the basic forms of matter and life. But when they married Plato's dialectic process with the mystery religions. The mystery religions are no different than they are today. Because back then, there was a plethora of beliefs, often called Gnostic beliefs, and nothing to do with the the new Gnostics throughout these days. Uh, But they married them with the mystery religions. The mystery religions always centering around special people, special people who were evolved more than other people. And this is not difficult to understand if you realize that Plato himself, before that, before the Neoplatonist schools in Alexandria, Plato himself had discussed the fact that he believed that the reason that he and his own class of aristocracy ruled and why they knew so much and why they could understand mathematics and so on as it was given to them is because they'd lived before. Reincarnation is a very old idea. It, it appeals tremendously to vanity and it goes to absurdity, of course, because you meet thousands of Cleopatras and I always tell each one that tells me she was Cleopatra, it must have been awfully crowded in there. But it appeals to the ego. You never find Cleopatra's chambermaid, the one that carries the potty, you never hear anyone saying that. So it's an egotistical thing, but it was believed again thousands of years ago by those who ruled. When this is given to people in a modern age, the same philosophies, it's for a different purpose, because that which is one time kept for the elite themselves to to chat about over a fire as it were served or brandies, has now been given to the public because the public now must also be part of this hidden need contained within the religions to change. And it's a change which has already been planned for the whole world and humanity itself. Ancient boast of mystery religions was that they would, they would perfect all that was left imperfect, meaning humanity itself through the understanding of nature, which simply now is science. And we are living through the culmination of many, many years
of this building up process towards the great leap forward as they also couched it some time ago. Everything you've taken for granted from the jingles on television to the whole concept that change is good to the blurring of all sexual distinctions and subcategories and that there's new categories coming out all the time and there's new ones to come out yet as they go through genetic alterations and tampering with the transhumanist agenda. The transhumanist agenda is a society basically of a conglomeration of societies uh, that came out of Oxford, of course, and Yale University, and they're heavily funded by the big boys who fund the world's projects. The big institutions are behind them 100% to do with not just life extension, as they hold this out uh, as a carrot for the followers at the bottom, who will all go for it, mind you, uh, without thinking the whole thing through. Life extension and genetic enhancement. And everyone's been brought up with this idea since Star Trek series and so on. They've heard the little bits about genetic enhancement. They've seen it through fictional form. There's a lot of movies out now with it in it. And people think that's going to be given to them. And yet power, as history shows, is never shared. It's never shared with the people. It's kept within the elite who rule the people as it is happening right now. The illusion that it will be shared is simply to get everybody on board, as they say. To get everyone behind it. Because everyone and every generation has one fear. One main fear. And it's fear of death. It's fear of not waking up one morning. Which is an odd thing when you're quite happy to go to bed. But if you knew you were not going to come out of that slumber, you would suddenly be terrified. Terrified. Even if your world is pretty awful for you personally and your circumstances are nasty, you'd be terrified at the thought of no sentience or consciousness. Religions of all kind were used in the past to try and rationalize to the people that death was normal and acceptable, which of course it is at the moment for most of us. But yet the fear of death never leaves people and each person, regardless of their function in society, their status, as it's called in eugenics associations in society, their standing, which now the bioethics committees, which are just the eugenics committees, are discussing, it makes no difference. In other words, the person at the bottom has been taught that they have as much right, because we're all equal now, you see, at least on that level. Uh, we're equal into the things which they've told us we're equal about, but they haven't gone in and told you that they've already decided that this new race of humans, this transgenic and, and trans gender and trans everything uh, type of creature they're bringing in, all kinds of, of uh, cross between animals and humans and so on, they're telling us uh, that it's already been done, it's been chosen, and they don't need the old types anymore, as we happily play ourselves and gorge ourselves with entertainment and all the games they give us and so on, and finish off their agenda for the world for them, they have already decided that we are obsolete. We are obsolete. The ones who do it all for them, as always, are obsolete. They use us like tools that you simply throw away and discard when uh, that which you, which you work on is now obsolete. The tool becomes obsolete as well. And the new society that they have designed to come into play will be a very high-tech society where supposedly, just like H.G. Wells's Shape of Things to Come, or in the old black and white movie version of Things to Come, that was the version of it too, the elite themselves go on and on and on the never-ending story. That's what that means, the never-ending story. Those who are fit to survive will go on and transmutate into who knows what forever and ever and ever to some ultimate goal. This was shown in the old Star Trek series as well. 
again because it comes from a very old philosophy dash religion where they land on a planet and there's these creatures or essences or energies within these balls they find in a cave under the ground and these people are pure mind they're pure mind that's what they consist of as mind it's the same idea going on and on and on to become gods meanwhile they've told the public through the new age this incessant new age again ISIS with a thousand names and faces all telling the, the general public that they're all gods they have god potential within them just grab out take, reach out and grab your godhood it's yours for the taking and it's such a joke as these pathetic people uh, all run towards course to course to course and then work at the job, jobs during the day, never realizing that the elite have a very much different agenda planned for everyone who's not. You see, your jobs will not be necessary in the new society. We are all obsolete. If you work for a corporation or a store or something like that, or a business, you're obsolete. It's a complete transformation that's coming, an ordered transformation of society. The producer-consumer thing won't last a little while longer, and then you're into the ordered society. And then eventually down the road, 30 years or so, after all the riots and chaos that they predict to the Department of Defense, uh, then they'll bring in their new type with a small population of better types, and intellectual types have proven their worth, and they're the psychopathic types because they're all pretty well psychopathic at the top. Old religion, old philosophy that's always been with us. As I say, it's called the perennial philosophy. It pops its head up every so often down through history. But it's very clever, as I say, because this whole concept of equality has been foisted on the public uh, like a mantra until they start to believe it. Never dreaming uh, that a different destiny by the same ones who gave you this equality mantra. The elite themselves have already planned a different destiny for the people, but you must always keep them happy when you come to major changes uh, when it's going to be detrimental to those people at the bottom. The majority, in other words. It's a crash that people come to when they think they're waking up because some people will find it in stages that which they can handle at a time. Others have been thinking around many, many topics in their lives and it comes with a crash because they've really gleaned little bits from all the different avenues of research, even quiet research within your own mind, and it hits them all at once. It, it implodes and comes together, and they crash when they see the enormity of it all. Because we are living, if you're conscious at all, we're going through the transformations now. We have been for some time. We've watched eugenics come in, to country after country. Manitoba has just un introduced it under different guys who are doctors of the right, not the, not the patient's relatives or the patient's wishes or anything else. The doctors will have the right to, to terminate life support. They don't use the, the term euthanasia because we're clever in Canada. We like to have this pristine, nice image with all the white snow. There's a lot of dirt underneath it. And the New World Order runs every country in the planet today. So we've watched ourselves being dehumanized. We've watched what was normal for a previous century being turned upside down through science. We've watched them tinkering with genetics to create the better types, the superior types that have to come on down the road. And you will see the creation of different types, including the new worker bee, which will be neither really male nor female. The hermaphrodite, the ancient symbol down through the ages of the mysteries, 
which people think is just left brain, right brain, and so on, coming to one logic and emotion. And yet if you go into ancient Gospels of Gnostics, such as the Gospel of Thomas, these are the Gnostic Gospels, the part that you find in the New Testament where it says that in heaven there's neither male nor female, if you're a soul or a spirit, has been altered because in the very end of the Gospel of Thomas, they talk about no difference, no male nor female will be created in this life, in the physical life. So this is not a new idea. It's not a new idea at all. Then you're into a whole different realm of questioning with limited access to knowledge, including ancient religions, ancient mythologies, and so on. It's the stuff that science fiction writers make hay with, because you can go in any direction you want with that. We know that there has been a great movement on to muddy muddy the waters and confuse everything with the creation of Sumerian legends which did not exist because of one man's interpretation and every other expert in Hebrew, Aramaic, Akkadian and so on don't even take it seriously, they don't even talk about it because it's a joke but to the general public the stuff this man wrote was fascinating part sci-fi, part mythology and a lot of, an awful lot of fiction uh, but others have made their careers on this, this one man's stuff because the fascinating appeals to us appeals to our fancy as they say and it all ties in with the new age of course to special types, special beings, special ones and so on and I noticed even ones who uh, have come out in, in the past which has not surprised me in what was called the Patriot Movement some years ago exposing some of this stuff now we're talking about the hidden masters and hinting that they themselves might be included in that that special people have special gifts given to them it's a matter of timing and these guys can sit like sleepers they should call the spies sleepers they begin a country they sit there for 20 years and then show themselves are going to action and it's the same thing with a lot of these characters that are put out deliberately amongst the public the whole new age movement there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gurus and leaders and so on all financed by the same sources all believing in the same stuff because that's how you alter the culture of people that's how you create new religions it's by an all out attack on the existing ones you demolish as you're introducing the new. And it has to be done from a thousand points of light. What you're left with is a massive confusion. Remember what Bertrand Russell said, a man who understood the nature of humanity and mass movements perfectly. It's simply because the masses believe something doesn't mean they're right. A thousand or a million or millions of zeros add up to zero. And nothing has changed in that respect. No amount of uh, human potential, hand-waving, arm-waving and jumping up and down on stage changes reality any more than hypnosis will change it except for a temporary period very short lived what the whole supposed new age movement has created is the expectation of massive change we're talking massive change everything that was will be different everything that existed will be remade anew and perfected now that means everything that lives, all organic material we know that for the worker bees 
as you bring out Mark 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 ad nauseum, will be incapable of thinking as an individual and technically they cannot be unhappy. And since the days of Freud and his libido, where everything was put down to the sexual drive, the whole object supposed of living is to have perpetual, everyday happiness, as though it's some kind of divine right. It's something that was never, ever thought about a hundred years ago, because we have all stages of being as a complete human being, and you must have ups and downs and stages in between, and contemplative stages, which give you the complement of being a complete human. Without them, there's no progress called maturity. But mind you, maturity in this day and age is a dirty word because everything is supposed to be young. Young. Here's very, very old people planning a world where they can live forever, getting the whole population to back them on it out of their own selfish greed. That's what they can count on. While they don't intend that you come along with them. Quite fascinating to see. So they give you a youth culture where everything and anybody who's anybody is young. Everybody's young. There's, there's, in fact, there's no middle-aged people now unless they're, they're simply stupid or street people. That's how they portray them on television and the cop dramas and the different dramas that they put on. The addiction to youth is also to make you unhappy with life natural progression of life people are terrified to get older mind you I understand it because when you see euthanasia coming all around when they evaluate your medical treatment and your right to live according to your standing in society and your purpose or function in society I don't blame them we should all be very worried indeed but we're going into a hell on earth it's actually here it's just opening up more as time goes on into this insensible, anti-human, anti-humane road that we're on. And most people go along like the followers of the Pied Pipers, quite happily thinking, just like all religions before, that they'll be saved, that they personally will be saved because they're special. Part of the culture creation in this whole movement was to do away with the concepts of right or wrong, good or evil. Because the whole New Age philosophy promulgated from universities and psychology classes and sociology classes and all the other colleges and perpetually upon television is that there's no there's no good or evil, there's no right or wrong. It's all a matter of human judgment and perception and choice. So they've quite happily done away with right or wrong. It's, it's moral relativity. They call it everything. Everybody's opinion is, is okay. Now, supposedly we're fighting wars because other peop people's opinions are not okay. We fought wars in the past supposedly because other tyrants opinions were not okay but suddenly everything's okay but we're still fighting wars you see there's your insanity because logic must only be logic when it's perpetual when you add up the same figures you cannot get different answers from 5, 10, 15 year period intervals they must always be the same if it's not the same you're living in a fantasy or someone's played with your mind and that has happened. You've been brought up with people playing with your mind on a scientific basis, a perfected scientific basis. That which fascinates us the most, being human, with all the natural traits of being human, it can be used like an addiction. The drives, the instincts and so on can be used like an addiction to bring you all down into enslavement and program you for the next stages which you will not question people are fascinated by watching people that's why they give you television 
with lots of people on it. But along with watching people or identifying with someone in a particular drama, you're being led along a labyrinth of indoctrinations into ideas which really are outside the story because they're political ideas designed for social change. But you don't notice it as you follow your hero through. However, you will start to behave like the hero in those scenarios if you come up against those particular problems and you'll adapt the same politically correct answers and and ways of behavior, your modes of behavior. There's a very good book out there which gives an idea of what the New Age is and all the different levels that work together, well-funded levels and organizations working together to bring it all about. And they have been for a long time. This book was published in the 1980s, and it's called America, the Sorcerer's New Apprentice, The Rise of New Age Shamanism, by Dave Hunt and T.A. McMahon. It's quite interesting, too, because they have a lot of facts in there to do, and uh, statements by the big players themselves. And on page 227, they've written, Evolution of Consciousness, Slime to Divine. They say the next stage in evolution, talking about the evolution theory, is believed not to involve further physical development but a quantum leap to a higher state of consciousness. That's what you hear all over the place with these seminars and higher consciousness. It started with the Rosicrucian associations and different Masonic groups talking about higher consciousness. And now it's for the general public to get them all hyped up. Barbara Brown associated with UCLA Medical Center and called by Milton Greenblatt, president of the American Board of Psychiatry, and neurology, the most commanding person in the biofeedback field, declares that we are evolving to a higher level of mind called supermind at Esalen, very interesting place and organization, the Esalen Institute. At Esalen, Michael Murphy and George Leonard have offered a seminar on the evolution of consciousness, in which it is suggested that a transformation of human consciousness as momentous as the emergence of civilization is underway. In a sense, it's true when you understand that it's consciously being done through your culture creation. And civilization, remember, was the beginning of a moneyed and city-type system with commerce, but definitely using money, which stops you being independent, makes you dependent on the system, and then armies and all the rest of it down to the present stage. So and technically the right is a transformation of human consciousness as momentous as the emergence of civilization because it's being brought about deliberately by very human forces. Marlon Ferguson agrees the human mind may have reached a new state in its evolution, an unlocking of potential comparable to the emergence of language, the attainment of this fabled higher state of consciousness which has been the common doorway to magic powers for sorcerers, is today the means of salvation offered by the ecumenical union of the two religions of evolution and psychotherapy. And they're quite right. You see, both of them are theories and religions, belief systems. As Theodore Rozak put it, an evolutionary leap in consciousness, the idea that the world shall be redeemed by a contagious psychic mutation hatched in the grey matter of a chosen few. Darwin himself seemed to recognize the spiritual implications of his theory. In The Descent of Man, he wrote, remember Darwin himself uh, just took the stuff from his, his grandfather who already put the same stuff out and, and then stole everything else from Wallace that was doing the real field studies, and that's been admitted to by the Royal Society, which basically put Darwin up to the top. In The Descent of Man, he wrote, man may be excused for feeling some pride at having risen, though not by his own exertions, to the very summit of the organic scale and the fact of his having thus arisen, instead of having been aboriginally placed there, may give him hopes for a still higher destiny in the distant future. 
Whether Darwin fully realized it or not, the mystical goal of the theory of evolution he now championed had always been to become God. That's all through the New Age spectrum. In the Atman project, Ken Wilbur lays out clearly, if men and women have ultimately come up from amoebas, then they are ultimately on their way towards God's and there's a whole plethora, there's, there's countless books put out there, all to back this up. And see, it's repetition by a thousand different sources that gives you your opinion. It's not your opinion at all, but that's what you come to. In another book called Up From Eden, Wilbur identifies this belief in man's ascension to godhood as the heart of what has been known as the perennial philosophy. The esoteric core of Hinduism Buddhism, Taoism, and Sufism. As Kleinwell summarizes it, the truth of truths of the channeled material that we are God and only need to realize it as one brochure offering a weekend exploration and reclaiming of your own divine, innocent, and infinite power, explains the God power experience is for those who are willing to be God again. That's all through the New Age. It's all through all these associations and societies. And it's actually the core of, of Freemasonry as well. But also through eugenics. Eugenics is a big part of it. To choose the mate wisely and preferably have your mate chosen for you. Because the children uh, that they want, special children... So it's an interesting book to go through. There's so many pertinent facts in here, and at least to give you the, alter- the alternatives between traditional religions and, and show some of the flaws in them too, I think, to touch on them. You can't really go into the New Age without touching on the flaws of the old, because the old religions became decayed through corruption, as all things must Another interesting part too, it shows you in page 234, is again how, how your opinions are generated. It says, New Agers are especially vulnerable to the popular belief that has dominated American universities for decades, that the one virtue is openness to everything and the refusal to be against anything. It is this very openness which makes the New Age so appealing. Among consumers of the wide variety of products offered in the burgeoning mystical supermarket, there is a naive and dangerous tendency to embrace anything so long as some spiritual shibboleth is pronounced. New Agers never tackle issues, they hug them. Richard Blow points out in the New Republic, the New Age way is not to deny differences between people, but to deny that they matter. This unwillingness to distinguish between right and wrong was carried to its logical extreme in an editorial in the transpersonal psychology journal The Common Boundary, which says it isn't too difficult to differentiate between the devils and the angels, but it requires a fairly sophisticated discrimination to see that an angel is just the flip side of a devil and that true harmony demands a holy marriage between the two a union which results in the birth of an entirely new principle that transcends or transcends the whole devil-angel duality. By this sophisticated new principle of openness to everything, which is generally taught in most universities today, God, if you choose to believe in some higher power, is whatever you want to call it, or, or him or her, from Mother Earth to Krishna to the all or some evolutionary force or Satan, doesn't matter. No difference is allowed amongst these deities because to do so would be discrimination. See, it all ties together, everything ties together. Moreover, it really makes no difference what labels are attached because in the final analysis, God is everyone's higher self. It would be inconsistent with New Age philosophy to to criticize Satanism, even if it included molestation of children, suicide, murder, and human sacrifices. There was no need for them to deny anything. On what basis can any behavior, no matter how horrifying, be discriminated against? The murderer is only fulfilling his karma, as Edgar Mitchell 
Shirley MacLaine et al. tell us, there are never any victims. You see, it's your karma if you came back and got murdered. It was all preordained because of how you lived a previous life and so on. This is literally how they rationalize this insanity. That's how they rationalize it. You know, there are people who work at the United Nations who believe in this and who say that those people in the Middle East are getting blown up, chose to be there at this time. That's how insane this all is. And it's not just at the bottom. You see, the higher up you go in civil society, civil service and so on, and bureaucracy, the more they're into this stuff because they get taught courses in it, beginning with human potential movements, and then they go up. Paid for by the taxpayer. So people should really do their homework and look into what's going on because it's all around you. They give you the the leaders, the shepherds to follow and people follow quite happily, never questioning, never ever being cautious. No reason to be cautious really. And no one's warning you to be cautious at all. It's interesting that even Oprah, over many years, has had various New Agers on, uh, pushing the same thing and uh, promoting even the Course in Miracles, which anyone who heard the little sayings that are pronounced sometimes from would think it's just a, a book of nice sayings, but it's the, one of the biggest roller coasters into the New Age that you can imagine. It's the whole gambit that ties it all together. One of many, mind you, but heavily promoted and you'll find people who are actually leading the new age and even appearing to oppose what's happening in the world. You'll find some of their relatives in the past helped to fund that book into existence. It's quite fascinating. And the whole world is fascinating to watch. And when you understand what's happening your whole life as you go through things, and watching people adapt to their indoctrinations and that which fascinates them, that which literally is scientifically designed to and presented to fascinate them. The same book, America, The Sorcerer's New Apprentice, and page 212 talks about how they use the stars, the famous ones to get the public to follow the public mimic what they see as Plato said we do as they do we fantasize and become at least I don't but I can see it happening in others but here's a a little part about Shirley MacLaine that did a documentary on television even where she proclaimed she was a god and it says here Contrast this with the hours of seminars and self-hypnosis, subliminal suggestion tapes and meditation and yoga, the positive declarations repeated endlessly, all of this intense effort at creating a new reality, yet with so little visible effect. When a power failure blocked out one of her seminars in Dallas in mid-1987, Shirley MacLaine led her audience of about 1,000 in visualizing the problem being cleared up. The attempt failed to produce a demonstration of what Shirley teaches, and the crowd of eager learners had to go home. And you'll find, too, with the blending of the word science with religions nowadays and the New Age, it's more acceptable, more palatable. But all they're doing is pushing old shamanism, the old perennial philosophies of reincarnation, onto the public, visualization, all of this stuff. It's old, old stuff, repackaged with a tinge of a scientific garb to cover it. On page 213 of this book, it says, Immoral, senseless and hopeless. Since reincarnation is a belief basic to witchcraft, it's not surprising that it is immoral. Instead of solving the problem of evil, it perpetuates it. If a husband beats his wife, the cause and effect law of karma decrees that he must be reincarnated as a wife who is beaten by her husband. That husband who will have been prepared by his karma to be a wife beater will in turn have to come back as a wife beaten by her husband and so forth endlessly. 
the perpetrator of each crime must become the victim of the same crime, which necessitates another perpetrator, who in turn must become a subsequent victim at the hands of another, ad infinitum ad absurdum. Rather than solving the problem of evil, karma and reincarnation perpetuate it. Think of the evil that must yet be perpetrated upon future reincarnations of Hitler, and we can add all the rest to that too, Stalin and all the rest of them, in order to pay for his crimes. With few alleged exceptions, the average person has no recollection of the many past lives that he or she has supposedly lived. Without any memory of previous mistakes and lessons learned, what is the point of living again and again, only to bear the burden of bad karma and the dire consequences of deeds one cannot remember? It's argued that subconsciously we have such memories which can be induced and dealt with through hypnotherapy and are thus benefiting at an unconscious level. If that were true, we should see evidence that humans individually and collectively are living better, more divine lives. That is patently not the case. Reincarnation is thus a senseless philosophy. That reincarnation is also hopeless follows logically. The karma built up in the present life must be worked off in a future reincarnation, but in the process of working it off, more karma is accumulated, which must in turn be worked off in the next life, and so forth endlessly. That is why the Hindu speaks of the wheel of reincarnation, and why Gandhi called it reincarnation, a burden too great to bear. There is no release, it goes on forever. Yoga was developed as a means of escape from this endless wheel of death and rebirth, but whether it actually is or not must be taken by faith, and faith in the efficacy of immoral and senseless laws whose existence is not supported by the facts would appear to be misplaced. And that's the problem with all of this stuff. And even at the first Buddha, if you read the writings, the only available writings there are about the original society, before it was tacked back onto Hinduism, the original founder was trying to break away from the whole idea of repetitive karma. Hell, repetitive hell, as he called it. And it kept everyone in complete bondage. It also is the basis for eugenics and for the right for some to dominate the many. That's the same stuff that's all through academia. That's why you have associations of various professors all into eugenics and the New Age. And they're in completely. It's all one big philosophy, you see. You cannot separate the two. All they're doing is repeating the same conclusions that people like Plato would have to come to when regarding his own ability to understand mathematics and certain formula and strategy and techniques of thinking and logic. He claimed he could do so because he obviously had been born in a previous life that gave him the knowledge to understand it. That's their whole theory, the perennial philosophy. And why was it introduced? Partly to destroy all the old systems of traditional religions which truly had become stagnant, stale, as they say, because dogma is piled upon dogma and until you have more dogma than any reality left. Dogma is nothing more than, than the civil service, basically, piling silly laws upon silly laws and silly laws until you can't move for laws. And that's really where it fell down. It lost its humanity along the way, as all big organizations must do. It's all talk and no vigor. Uh, it's so strange, too, because in the New Testament, they're going about, so you shall know them by their works, not by what they say, but what they do. And it's one thing to talk about the poor and all the rest of it and give little sermons about the Good Samaritan. It's another thing to do it. And that's partly why, too, all the old traditional religions lost their way, especially during the Industrial Revolution, when there was so much misery and poverty with the masses of people in these big crowded cities and that religion still demanded its money and gave them nothing back in return.
except a little bit of hope in an afterlife. Old stories, no point in going all through them. Yet we're left with the big dilemma today because this dilemma is that this new religion is disguised as pseudoscientific, a covering of science to disguise an absolute religion of perpetual reincarnation, beginnings from the amoeba up to the advanced human with great leap forwards and all the rest of it has been peddled to us all and we're all supposed to run our lives along this avenue. And every one of the major sciences accepts evolution now as their basic starting point for all of its subsequent logic. Religion upon religion. And religion always takes over where another one leaves off. And that this one, this eugenical religion, is a thousand times worse, thousands of times worse than the dogma of previous religions because it will be enforced mercilessly no mercy whatsoever upon everyone there is always a religion to guide the next step of this great work as it's called the great work being the rebuilding of everything that was left imperfect, as they say. What do they mean by that? They're talking about the beginning of a, a biblical-type creation. You have to do your homework on that one. I have. And it goes back to the ancient mythologies of battles, battles in the heaven, battles on the earth, all of this stuff. That's where it comes from, not the beginning of a creation, but the actual part or the ending of a war. A part of the war. It's not over, obviously. Where those who ruled the world decided they would rebuild it all, that nothing was perfect enough. Nothing was perfect enough. But especially man himself and especially the order of man. Now remember, order is one of their big, big points of obsession in the system. An orderly society to the person at the bottom thinks that's good, that's peace and safety and routine and so on. No, orderly means that everyone has their place and knows it, kind of like Hinduism, which isn't surprising when you, as I say, when you look at the whole New Age phenomenon, which is based on Hinduism dressed up with science. We're watching them rebuild everything uh, as they think they're gods already. And already, as I say, they have the whole new types that, are, that have come in to be. It's all been discussed with bioethics committees, which are just the eugenicist associations that suddenly sprung to the public's attention for the first time with Dolly the Sheep. And the public had no idea these organizations existed. Well, they'd never gone away. They were always funded by the big institutions, like the Rockefeller Foundation, which started up the American Eugenic Society, the one that had people being sterilized all the way up into the 1970s because they were deemed unfit to have offspring. The same force that ran through the Third Reich, uh, when they also had the cleansings within Germany. And I've seen the propaganda movies that were put out for the public to convince them that those who were retarded or just below par really were nothing more than animals and it wasn't doing them any favor to keep them alive and they wouldn't object to being killed either. They simply weren't aware. You see, that's how it was projected. And we're seeing all of this emerge today under the guise of science. Same thing, eugenics, who will live, who will die, who will be saved, who will not be saved. And meanwhile, the whole New Ager, Age movement is going ahead, uh, turning its back on that train that's coming along at one hell of a speed. And they don't want to see the negative, looking at the positive. 
and finding out more and more past lives and and they sit and discuss this rubbish with each other and each one tries to outdo the other one about their stories in the past it's quite fascinating to listen to them with the drama and the imagination and for those of them that have certain experiences to play devil's advocate for a moment just for a moment is there anything else in this world that could have memories that are thousands if not millions of years old scary thought isn't it and what exactly are you channeling is it simply a trick of your imagination suggestion by the hypnotist the emergence of different subconscious and even unconscious factors of all the historical novels remember a novel is a novel regardless if it's dressed up in history or not is it all that re-emerging or is there something there with actual memories of other people it need not be some spirit of your own just a thought as I say devil's advocate for a moment to give a little caution and warning and interestingly too in ancient demonology they used to talk about the spirits all being one all the demons the religion a singular word denoting many we are many but we are basically one and the whole world is one we're all one is the mantra re-emerging today interesting just to observe it all I don't say I believe this, that, the other. I'm just giving you other alternatives and possibilities and pointing out the strangeness of something that's thousands of years old being the predominant religion today, dressed up and disguised under a thousand names, but all leading the people into the same road of astrology, card reading, divining, basic shamanism, power animals or spirit guides and past life experiences interesting phenomena to see that it's well named the perennial religion that's my quick blurb, spontaneous as always in between making my dinner and I think it's a bit boiling by now I'm just waiting for the fire alarm to go off. They'll tell me if it's properly done. And I hope to continue as long as I can. At the moment, the weather is in that icy, melting ice stage you get day and night here. As spring slowly, slowly comes in, the snow probably won't be gone completely until April, sometimes the end of April. But at the moment, at the sides of the roads, you have big banks of snow which melts sometimes during the day a little bit and it all flows into the road itself which freezes at night and you have this wonderful skating rink and you have to figure out ways to get to the store luckily I got to the store today and mailed off the stuff that's been lying for a week so for those out there, don't worry about it, it's on its way I'd like to thank the people too who email me with little snippets of the news as they watch and I'm talking about pertinent news the stuff that basically reaffirms the next move and the next move of the culture creation industry that guides our lives since we've never had a population so addicted to being downloaded as we are today even when I was small I can remember going to my granddad's place at New Year and they had their, a few drinks and their dinner and all the rest of it and then he got up and started singing without accompaniment and that was the way he was brought up and that's how he'd heard his own parents obviously and everyone was supposed to get up and do their own little song people in those days not so long ago used to talk all the time with each other they participated they made their own entertainment and whenever you visited them there was no TV blaring or radio blaring. They'd sit and talk. 
sit and talk and discuss things. And you had characters because people could develop their individual characters. We call them characters. People who could hit you from a, uh, outside the field with an idea and you'd never ever thought of it from that angle before. These, this is what makes you grow up and mature and consider and develop the ability to analyze and have critical thinking is to get outside the status quo, the indoctrination box that you're in and see things from a thousand different angles and to come to correct conclusions, correct being that which is completely logical for you. Today, very few people talk to each other. They'll do it electronically. They're already in cyberspace. They'll talk forever, but they don't communicate personally because communication involves body language and even the presence of someone, which they're trying to build into this virtual reality, of course. The substitute world, interesting. The substitute world, the substitute perfection of ancient times is being brought back again. It's never changed really the whole plan, has it? Interesting stuff. But that's it for tonight. So from Hamish the dog and myself, it's good night and may your God or your gods go with you. A child came out to wonder Caught a dragonfly inside a jar Fearful when the sky was full of
Circle game.